Hi, before you get to the reason why you're here, we would just like to thank our headline sponsors, Pitch Publishing, for helping to make this podcast possible. They are an independent UK sports publisher, purveyors of excellent football books, amongst other brilliant sports titles. Please do take the time to support our sponsor by visiting their website, pitchpublishing.co.uk and sign up for the brilliant monthly newsletter. You'll receive details straight to your inbox of all Pitch's new releases each month and free sample chapters of most books so you can try before you buy. It's really easy to sign up and they don't bombard you with spam. Log on to the website and click the newsletter link at the top of the website. Thank you and on to the podcast. And now, final score. Hello, I'm Stuart Horsfield, and this is the What's the Score podcast with the back pages. Every episode, I will be talking with a guest who is in love with the beautiful game. I will be asking them for their three favourite football books, asking them to pick their three favourite songs from a list of 10 categories. Finally, each guest will be given a score draw question, drawn randomly live on air. This is 45 minutes of football, music, and books. Hello and welcome to another edition of the What's the Score podcast. Um, I'm delighted to say that I have a wonderful guest and in my troll of finding people who have incredible relationships with football, I think I've probably found the most diverse and incredible so far. It's somebody who is the founder of Road3, Events and Media Relations Agency, Road3 Concierge, which looks after the lives of some of football's biggest names. They head up the events program at Women in Football. They are responsible for media relations at our very own pitch publishing. They work with the PFA, managing their awards. And most, well, two things. One, most importantly, an avid Manchester City fan. Secondly, um, worked with Vincent Company for 18 months, um, managing his testimonial year. Uh, I'm delighted to welcome to the podcast, Laura Wolf. Laura, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Stu. Thanks Absolute for pleasure. Me. It's so much. There's going to be so much to talk about. Obviously, you've chosen your, your three books um, to recommend to everyone. You've picked your three songs from the 10 categories that I sent you that hopefully will have um, stories behind them. You've been kind enough to put together a playlist that people will be able to listen to on Spotify where they can probably get a little bit more inside your mind through your song choices, whether you want that or not. I'll be like... What is she like? Um, so yeah, so that's that. So there's 12 songs from inside the mind of Laura, which will also help them get to know you. But um, first of all, um, having gone through that incredible bio, um, how would you define your relationship with football? Oh God, I'm a fan, first of all. I mean, you can't work in this industry without loving the game. Uh, and, and over the years of kind of being lucky enough to work in this agents, uh, this industry, you kind of do fall in and out of love with it because you see sides to it that that you kind of don't want to. You, your your world gets defined by if the people you're working with win or lose that week. So it becomes you're like, oh my, God, you know, it just becomes really stressful. But um, I'm re- I mean, you've, you've read out some of the things that I've been involved with. I 
I've been a football fan for as long as I can remember. When I was six years old, I went to Main Road for the first time with my brother. He's 10 years older than me. And he used to take me to Main Road because basically it kept him out of the fights. That was simply, that was simply <laughs> it. Um, so we were on the terraces and I remember, I remember it vividly. Uh, there's lots of things I remember about Main Road. And I remember the last game at Main Road before we moved to what we still call the new stadium, which is ridiculous because it's not new anymore. Um, and uh, my niece, who at the time was, I think, 10, flew in from America to be one of the mascots on the pitch. I think we lost we lost to Birmingham. I think we lost 1-0. I think that's what it was. But it was still an amazing occasion. Um, but I am one of those City fans that sort of still misses those old days, that that the atmosphere of Main Road, the the kind of going every game and like just expecting to lose, which when I, because I've been a City fan for kind of 40 years, I still go to every game expecting to lose. I can't, it, you know, I, I can't, it, 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 the whole thing that's happened to our club is is crazy. Um, but yeah, I'm, I just feel extremely lucky to spend most of my working life in an industry that I just love and I'm watching I, football. I, I am incredibly envious, as I, as I imagine, hopefully people listen, but as I imagine most people are listening to that. Um, a really interesting point, actually, that, that I hadn't planned on chatting to you about, that being a, a Manchester City fan that, that sits either side of Manchester City, that, that line in the sand, if you like, from the main road days to the Etihad days. Um, what, yeah. what was it like as sort of, because it seemed as an outsider, I, I don't support him. I'm, I'm just a, a fan of football, so I take an interest in everything that goes on. But what, cause it, it seemed to come from nowhere and that signing of Rubinho just just seemed to trigger everything. It was almost like that was the clear defined marker between the man, the old Manchester City that you talked about, Main Road, and the new Manchester City of Pep Guardiola and and sort of 21st century football. What what was it like as a fan? That signing was ridiculous. We were like, what is happening? It, 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 nothing like that had ever happened to us before. Um we we listen even through that there was a bumpy ride through that whole process and and with everything you know uh, foreign owners coming to we, we know what the situation foreign owners coming to to buy clubs and invest in clubs but i kind of feel like at city we've been quite lucky our owners have completely respected the history of the club um it respected the fans it, it's been a process it hasn't been quick fix let's go for it let's let's throw every throw out all the, the old and bring in all the new it's been a process and there are still you know over the years I mean Vinny being one of them you know he's he we've, you know we've had who which club has three players uh, with testimonials I mean obviously Aguero couldn't have his and David Silva couldn't have his because of the pandemic but that's unheard of these days because people because players don't stay at clubs for that long um, and people have been saying to us for years, oh, Pep's going now, Pep's going now. I mean, we know when he's when he's there until he's got another couple of seasons. And I'm not, I'm under no illusion that it's not going to be plain sailing all the way through. I think we'll have our dips like football cyclical, isn't it? We, you know, and, and I'm sure that will happen. Uh, and I'm just waiting for Vinny to come back and save us all at some point. But we'll, you know, we'll, we'll see how, how that happens. But um, yeah, it, it's, you know, some of the memories from Main Road will remain with me forever. You know, I remember... Joe Corrigan, Paul Dickoff. I'm really lucky. I get, you know, I know Paul quite well now. Um, 
but Joe Corrigan is the first one I kind of remember. And I remember as a kid kind of shaking his hand and like being, oh my God, wow. And now my 10 year old's a goalkeeper and met Joe Corrigan a few weeks ago and was like, and he's and basically he's telling him to stretch his hands on paintings. He said, you need to get your hands bigger. This little 10 year old, he's like, you need to get a painting and try and lift it up with your hands. So he's, he's at home going, mom, mom, where do we get, can I get a painting? Like, <laughs> That's brilliant. I mean, Joe Corrigan must have had the big, some of the biggest hands in the business as well. Oh my God! Yeah, it's <laughs> <are> huge. <laughs> um, so, with, I mean, obviously, I'm interested in your sort of relate relationship with Manchester City. Then, um, in terms of you know, you mentioned Vincent Company. We mentioned his you know his testimonial. That how how do you get involved in something like that? How <laughs> I was exceptionally lucky. So. Uh... Ten years ago, um, I acquired the rights to the Northwest Football Awards, which has become, it, you know, it's part of the f- footballing calendar. So what we're just preparing for our next awards, it's it's uh, the twenty second of November, and it's um, <laughs> it's six hundred and fifty people. Dan Walker hosts it. All the professional football clubs from the Northwest come. The PFA, the FA, that everyone will be in the room. The Premier League. It's really stressful, and it's our big showpiece event where we have to deliver basically. Uh, Talksport are media partners, the BBC are media partners, the Athletic are media partners. So it is quite a big deal. So we, uh, I think it was about three years ago, because you get lost in the pandemic. I've kind of lost years. I don't know what year I'm in and what year it was. But I think uh, it could have been, I think it was 2018 or something like that, or maybe 2017. We um, awarded Brian Kidd the Lifetime Contribution Award. He's another fantastic guy and what a gentleman and just incredible history of football. I'm trying to get him to write a book. So we'll, we'll just part that one there. We'll see if he'll do that. Um, but we, uh, Vincent Company came with uh, the class of 92 as well to present the award to Brian Kidd because obviously he's both sides of the city love him. And I met uh, Vincent's business partner and we got on very well and we started chatting and we had coffee, et cetera, et cetera. And then here I am in the following July running his testimonial season and, and and planning the whole thing and what charity we're going to support and what we're going to do and how we're going to raise the money and what events are we going to run and oh we've just got a match to organize with you know you've got to get all these players to come and play um but what an opportunity for anyone but as a city fan I mean the experiences I will never you know there are stupid things like getting in a lift with Vincent Company, Gary Lineker and Noel Gallagher and just standing there thinking I, I, I mean, I don't know what to say. Like, what do I say? I mean, do I just stamp it? And I didn't really say anything. I was just like a fangirl, really. It was a bit ridiculous. And then I got to go on the team coach, the home team coach, to the ground. So you arrive at the ground, there's 3,000 fans outside waiting for the team to get off the coach. And you're getting off the coach. And I, and I just like, this is insane and I get out the coach the first person I see is my mum in tears because she's like she's she's 83 and she's a massive football fan so football's been in my blood forever um and she goes to the games with me still so it is um it was it was a pretty surreal 18 months of my life I have to say I I, am we are I don't know about getting stuck in the lift (laughs) we have so much clearly we're gonna have so much to talk about um okay before we carry on with with the testimonial and Manchester City and the PFA Awards and the Northwest Footballers and everything else that you've got going on in your life. I am really grateful, by the way, that you could spare time for this podcast. <laughs> I don't sleep very much. I don't actually, I don't need, I'm very, I don't actually need to sleep very much. And, and I'm not good when I'm not busy and on the go. It just doesn't well, suit handy. me. So, but I'm, I'm, 
um okay so we'll we'll come to your first um we'll come to your first book choice and we chatted a little bit about uh, about this guy before we before we started recording um and your book number one choice is 2000 games a life in football by brian Horton. yeah i mean that's for very personal reasons it is a great book by the way it's the first book that i worked on for pitch publishing um, and and from there on, I've managed. I've worked with some brilliant people, and I'm really grateful for that. And just sometimes pinch me moments with the people that I'm working with. But Brian's a really special guy, and he had 2,000 games in football. Um, his story is 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 um, incredible, and the stories. I I'm very lucky to know him quite well, and we go out for dinner quite a lot. And he tells these stories, and sometimes he tells them more than once. But even if he tells them more than once, you like you're it, it, because they're so good. You know the story he tells of the chairman of Brighton basically they were going to a game the chairman of Brighton died on the coach he died so 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 Mr Bloom died on the coach Brian was going to the game another way and he was in the car and he was the captain of Brighton at the time they all got to the match they made them play I think it was Southampton I might be wrong Brian if you listen you know if you listen to this please don't shout at me for that and they made them play the match and then they went to the funeral um afterwards but they had to play it and in those days you were really close every it was all accessible so they you know they all felt it deeply uh but yeah that that absolutely happened and then um i was lucky enough a couple of weeks ago to go to the brighton city game uh, with brian when he was signing some books at, at uh at the amex and met, met the whole bloom family it was a really special time because my mother's from brighton originally and her, brighton was her first team um, they moved to Manchester just before they had me. And so for her to see the Blooms and the family that she grew up with was pretty special. And uh, and to see how, how much love there is for Brian when he goes to his clubs, it's just fantastic. And it's a great book. I, I, again, I, I don't even know what to say to that story. Um, it, it's, a great, it, it's a great book. Like I said, um, I know Brian Horton through his time at Hull City, as we were saying, you know, he was manager of Hull City when I moved across it. It was the first professional team I ever got a chance to see. Um, but yeah, it, people and people like that, oh, this- people like that have, we talk about it on these football times, people like that have great stories that need preserving. Yeah, yeah. There's, the one thing about Brian is when I first met him, I met him through the Northwest Football Awards and, you know, we got chatting. But now it's funny because, like, when I was on the away terraces when we were, like, languishing as, as a City fan, we used to sing, Brian, Brian, give us a wave, Brian, give us a wave. And like, he'd wait, he'd make us wait and wait and wait. And then he'd just go like that. And then everyone would cheer and like, you know, he'd like wave his hand, everyone would cheer. So I, I wind him up about that all the time, all the time. It, yeah, it's it's a great start. And it is, like you say, it is a, it's a great book. And, you know, for, certainly for yourself with Pitch Publish, I guess it was a great one to, a great one to start with, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, he's, he's quite an easy sell. People want to talk to him because he's a good talker. Brilliant. So. Um, so coming obviously again looking at, at your career and your your sort of relationship with football how and something that i do want to talk about is obviously and one of your book choices will will back this up as well but you know you talk about the events program at women in football but before we come to that specifically mm-hmm. how have you obviously it, it's something that i cannot i love football i absolutely love it but i cannot relate to being a female in the world of football and how you've how you've found that um, and how you, whether it's something you've seen a change in, whether it's something that, you know, I, I cannot begin to relate to the experiences you will have had as a female within the game. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I have to say, I think I've been really lucky in that personally, um, I haven't experienced anything like some colleagues or some other stories that I've heard, which have been terrible. I've had a bit on Twitter about, you know, what do you know? Do I need, you know, and just really just ridiculous comments that actually I just ignore and I don't, it's pathetic really you know uh, the 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 usual offside rule conversation and all of that stuff you know which still happens um but you know women in football is oh gosh the lights have gone off in here that's happened women in football um is necessary because um women have been underrepresented for so long and um i'm gonna try and get the light on i'm sorry when i don't move in when i don't move in the office (laughs) the light goes off and then i'm in the dark um so, so women have been underrepresented for such a long time. The change in the last, I'd say, two to three years has been immense. I mean, obviously, the games, women's games being shown live on, on television. It was great. A couple of weeks ago, I went to the uh, uh, Women's FA Cup semi-final at the Academy Stadium against Chelsea. Chelsea were absolutely awesome. I mean, what Emma Hayes has done there is incredible. Um, and... Um, I was I was watching it live and my partner, he was texting me, go, you know, because he's watching it on TV. And I was there going, this is brilliant. I'm again watching a women's game and it's on TV so he can talk to me about it, which is like, and that just shows how far we've come. Um, but women in football is about women who work in the game, not not just the players, but anybody who's working in the game, providing support, providing networking opportunities, providing um, experiences. And, and being there as a kind of voice for women and making sure that we're part of whatever, we have a seat around the table. Um, and it was started, like uh, I think, 15 years ago by some absolutely brilliant women, including Jo Tong, um, Anna Kessel, uh, Vicky Orweiss, Vicky who's no longer with us, sadly. And it's grown from strength to th- strength to strength, and there's a lot more to come. Uh, yeah, it, it, like I say, it, it's incredible. It, it's something that I do... Again, something else that we will come back to um, and talk more about. But um, you talk quite passionately about your childhood um, and your relationship with football. And the the first sort of song category, because obviously, you know, I sent you out your list of 10 to pick three from. um, And your first song category that you went with was a song that takes you back to your childhood. And you went with Oliver's Army by Elvis Costello. Is it is it something that is. Is it a song that you listen to is it a song that played through the home is it you know whereabouts in your childhood does that does that song fit so first of all that list was so (laughs) hard because my music tastes are so diverse and i'm there going god there's that one and there's that one there's that one but this one does because my brother and sister uh are 10 and like nearly 12 years older than me i was like um I say uh, an accident, my mum says a surprise. <laughs> but anyway, so, so um, they, they had this on, this is what they listened to. I remember them having parties with their friends when I was, you know, very young and this was on. Um, they had this den that was downstairs in the house and they, this song would be playing out and it's a great song. It, it, is, it, is, it is a great song. Um, this is Oliver's Army by Elvis Costello. Have you got yourself a lot? 
Um, great first choice. I, I apologize, by the way, for the late. When I was coming up with the idea of the podcast, I was like, oh, I'll just get people to pick their three favorite songs. And then I had a go at it. And I was just like, it just changed on a daily basis. I was like, okay, I need to help people out yeah. and give them categories. But to be fair, people have, have struggled with that as well. In fact, I've got, um, I, I did one with Tim Vickery uh, earlier in the series. And, and he sent his twice because he sent the first one. Then about a couple of weeks later, he went, can I scrap it? I've thought of this instead. So he had two goes at it. Um, I, I don't blame him. It's, I, I, it'll be different every day of the week, anyway, because it's like you know, it depends what mood you're in. Music's like absolutely, that, isn't it? it is, and it's and like I say, and when we when we come to your next song choice as well, and the category you pick for that again, to me, you know, football and music, and I suppose you know, you talked about your lift story. There's no better to me. There's no better relationship that sums up what was essentially a boom time in in Britain and certainly in England in those sort of mid to late nineties between Manchester City and Oasis and, and and that sort of relationship almost brought football into main to me brought it into mainstream culture um which mm-hmm. is again the one of the reasons why I sort of put this together but you must see it at Manchester City yeah I mean and obviously like we you know we the Oasis is is the, the Gallagher's are city through and through I mean the sad thing is obviously they don't speak to each other anymore so they're there at the games, either at different games or at completely different. You'd have to keep them apart. Um, but, you know, I know Noel and Liam, they've followed them around and gone everywhere. Uh, and they're, they're crazy City fans. We play, the, you know, the music gets played in the stadium all the time. And and actually, you know, Noel doesn't do this sort of thing. He doesn't do stuff outside of like what his kind of what he's working on. And when we approached him to do... Um, the gig for, for for Vinny's testimonial, he said yes because it was for Vinny. Um, so being in a room who did an acoustic set for like forty five minutes, and and you've got Aguero filming it on his phone, you've got Pep singing along, you've got Ole Gunnar Solskjaer singing along, you've got you just there going, this is crazy. <laughs> I'm standing this far from him. He's playing, you know, Wonderwall or whatever, and it's just mental, mental. Uh- I want to be you when I grow up. I just, I just want to point that out. Um, we'll, we'll come to you. Having talked quite a lot about Manchester City, um, your second book choice is brilliant. Um, so you went with Manchester United Ruined My Life um, by Colin Schindler. It, it is a great book. It, it's a book that I've read. It, it's a great book. But I guess as a, as a Manchester City fan for you, it must have even more um, resonance. Yeah, I mean, well, Colin's a bit older than me, but um, it's a similar kind of story. So I, um, I, you know, grew up as a Jewish kid in Manchester. Um, everyone else was United fans, and I was like, I, I used to say to my brother, "Why, why were City fans? Why, why did you choose City when you moved to Manchester? Because they moved to Manchester just before they had me, and it wasn't, you know, the greatest time in City's history. And United was winning everything, and." And, you know, it, it was starting that way. And, and Colin tells this story of growing up as a, as a Jewish boy in Manchester. And, you know, I've, I have friends that I was at school with who are United fans who used to really make fun of me all the time and, and um, be like, why would you do this? But once the thing about City and rivalries, and actually that's another story that I can tell, but it is also absolutely ridiculous, is that I was asked to be involved in a documentary um, in 2010, um, Eric Cantonell's production company was making this documentary about rivalries, um, and it was called Looking for Manchester. Uh, and it was a joint thing between ITV and Canal Plus. And I was like, I don't know whether I want to do it. I don't know if I should do it anyway. I decided to do it. 
So they filmed uh, a couple of City fans, a couple of United fans, kind of over a two-week period, and then it ended in the derby where United beat us 1-0. And my husband, you know, my ex-husband was a United fan. My partner's also a United fan. You'd think that I'd learn from wow. that, but anyway. <laughs> and it was really raw and horrible and I didn't you know derby day is something is unlike anything else you like everything gets pushed aside I don't speak to my partner it's not great this derby day was brilliant absolutely brilliant I had to have two sons one's a city fan like me one's a united fan so obviously so I call I saw I call him I've got a favorite son and another child <laughs> brilliant as there are no normal birth certificates um, yeah yeah uh but on the Sunday, so this, the game was Saturday, and the Sunday, like, we want to come and film a bit more. We want to do a bit more with you. And I'm like, look, I'm done. We lost. You've got everything you need from me. You've seen how what it's like. You've seen what it's like in Manchester, blah, blah, blah. And they said, no, we need to come. So we're like, okay. And my mother was involved in this documentary. She's a, she, she's what, she's no, she's Joy from Manchester. She rings Radio Manchester every week about, and talk. she's actually really good at it, but they let her talk about the game. They all know her. So if you go anywhere and you say Joy from Manchester, which my brother has done in the States, and the, the fans go, oh, it's Joy from it's Joy from Manchester Sun. <laughs> like she's just mental, my mother. Anyway, so they they turn up with like three cameras, a load of lights, everything, and I'm thinking this isn't what they've been turning up with before. It's like there's just been one camera following me or whatever. And we're chatting away and whatever. Eric Cantona opens the door and walks into my kitchen, and I literally was like, what Sunday like Sunday night? What is going on? And he's just standing chatting to us in the kitchen talking about the game. And I was like, I said, to, and my husband, he'd been mowing the lawn. He was like, I said, I said, Anthony, I think you better put some clothes on and, and come, come you know, like whatever. And then we got, my son had gone to bed. We got him down. He was like, I think he must've been like, uh, he's about four or five at the time. And they ask him who he supports. And he says, Bolton. <laughs> and then he's like, can I go and watch Scooby-Doo now? Cause he just has no clue who this guy is. But that was weird. I, I mean, yeah, you don't have Eric Cantona coming around on a Sunday night very often. No, no, he's not been at my house for a while now on a on a, on a, on a Sunday <laughs> now. Um, I, oh, I I knew you would be a brilliant. I knew you would be a brilliant guest. <laughs> I, I knew you would be. Um, it, um, so going back to well, so much to, again, so much to go back to. Going back to um, being a female in the women's game, and like you say, being a being a, an advocate for it. Um, in terms of you know, away from the, like you said, away from the playing side, but being involved in it from from any other perspective. Um, how do you how do you see the women's game or female representation going in the men's game in the future? I mean, you know, Alex uh, Alex Scott's done some some wonderful stuff. Emma Hayes's analysis was mm -hmm. was wonderful. You know, and the stuff on social media for her analysis of the games was was really really positive. And you know, it seems like. You know, we talk about black footballers in the sort of late 70s, early 80s as pioneers. And to me, and again, I know I, I can't relate to this, but but looking at it as a fan of football, it looks like that this generation are the pioneers um, of women in men's football, not women in women's football, but women in men's football and bringing it mainstream. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, City ran a campaign a few years ago. It's not men's football. It's not women's football. It's just football. And I know people, I know not everyone feels like that. I was at a panel event recently with, with uh, Mike Calvin and others, and I think they see it quite differently. Not that they're not hugely supportive of women's, with the women's game, but they, they think it should be treated differently. 
Um, look, clearly, the women's game has a long way to go. It's not on an equal footing. But what's happening in the game, the fact that it's being televised, the fact that sponsors are becoming engaged, it's changing things. There are incredible role models. Some of these these women players are incredible role models to girls. It's like, you know, now on a Sunday or Saturday, Sunday when I'm watching my son play football, there's girls playing with boys, there's girls on girls teams, you know, and that's how it should be. Um, but, yeah, I think the time is coming. It won't be long until there's a female manager of a men's team and I think it will be completely accepted I think we've hopefully coming away from the times where uh, female referees get get the stick that they used to get well I mean referees get stick anyway that that's another debate and another story and don't get me started on VAR because I literally that would we'd need a whole hour for that anyway um but I think you know it's I think we've we've got a long way to go, but things are moving in the right direction. And I think the the desire and the ambition is there. And I think people are very accepting of it. And I think you know it, it it's like with the with the look. We thought we were we were getting a kick it out. Had done an amazing job with bringing us away from from the whole racism issue. It's proven in the last year that we we've got a, an immense amount of work to do in that arena too and I think there's always going to be people and that I think a lot of it comes from social media the amazing thing about social media is it gives you access to anybody you want to speak to or you you can send messages to whoever you want the bad thing about it is that it's also a sewer and you it's the best of words of society isn't it so and you're always going to have those people and those people who do who sit behind their keyboards typing stuff and I've been the victim of this myself they wouldn't say it to your face if and it's probably someone you know with a regular job in a regular situation whatever but they wouldn't stand in the and if they spoke to me the way they spoke to me in in you know to my face it would be it would be a criminal offense so that needs to change and i think that's all part of kind of moving things forward yeah i yeah you're, you're absolutely right i mean social media is is the very, very best and the very, very worst that, that society has to offer. You're absolutely right. Do you think, oh, sorry, just quickly, one, one last thing on that. Do you, do you think that the, the, female, the female manager in the men's game, like you say, it is football, football is the game, but a female manager in the men's game, do you think that's the, not the final glass ceiling, but is that the, is that the position that needs to change or needs to happen? Look, I think, if the, the the right female manager, I don't want it to be a manager yep, just absolutely. because they're female, and, and I do, absolutely not. But but there are women who are brilliant and are should absolutely on an equal footing with any man and, and often better than. Um, and I think yeah, I mean, would, is it the pinnacle? Probably. It, will that is that that's a that's going to be a big thing when that happens, and whenever it happens, it's got to be the right club and the right woman, and then the doors are open. Hopefully. Uh, because and that and hopefully we'll look back in 10 20 years and it'll be normal and we won't even have this conversation because it'll yeah, just be happening. agreed um okay so going back a few more years than 20 years you will come to your song too and you went with your, your song that you most associate with football um and i think along with you'll never walk alone i think this is this is probably the next the next one um and you've gone with aussie's dream spurs are on their way to wembley that's crazy I know every word to this song because I had the, the vinyl you know the single and I played it constantly so my dad who is no longer with us sadly who passed away is another massive reason why I'm into football so he was a Tottenham fan he's from London he used to watch Tottenham 
he loved Harry Redknapp. He's like literally his complete, you know, utter hero. Whatever, whenever Harry spoke about anything, Dad had to listen to it. But I remember this 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 game, and I remember this match, and I remember this song, and we had it playing constantly. And and I have a massive soft spot for Tottenham because of my dad. I have a massive soft spot for Brighton because of my mum. Um, but we grew up with football, so this song is 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 the ultimate. And about I suppose four years ago, three four years ago, I met um, Aussie Our Dealers at the PFA Awards. I literally was like, I nearly fainted probably because he is one of my massive heroes, and he's just he just looks the same, and it's just and he's and, he, and his his accent and stuff. He's just brilliant. So yeah, I love this song. Okay, this is for all Tottenham fans. Um, this is Aussie's dream. Spurs are on their way to Wembley. Um, it takes me back to my childhood, that actually. Having, having just chatted about going back to your childhood, I went straight back to that yeah, 1981 yeah, yeah. FA Cup replay, which is is still one of the yeah. greatest games of football, I think, that, that I can remember. Yeah. Um, but also, I wasn't allowed to go because they said I was too young. So I had to sit, uh, we all went to London. I had to sit there and they all went wow, to the game. That, that's hard because that was a great game as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. so talking of the PFA Awards, then, you know, you, you said you met him at the PFA Awards. Um, and again, something else that you sort of put down when I was asking for a bio, which is an incredible bio, by the way. Um, you talk about the PFA Awards and potentially bringing them to, to Manchester. Again, how, yeah. how do you get involved in such a, the ultimate prestigious event for, for football in this country? I mean, again, so the PFA are huge supporters of the Northwest Football Awards and have been for, since their inception. Um, Gordon Taylor was always a, a big supporter and always and, and, and a big part of the Northwest Football Awards is the community, what the clubs do. So what the Football Awards is different from other awards, it celebrates everything on and off the pitch. Um, so the community work that's going on, the journalists, the medical professionals, the unsung heroes, as well as the players, obviously. Um, so I met them, you know, I got, I've got very close to the PFA and the opportunity came and I spoke to them about it. And then we were about to do our first awards in Manchester in April, 2020. And then we know what happened. So it was a big thing, you know, for it to come out of London for the first time. Um, and it was also, we were all set to go. So we're now working hopefully to bring it here in 2022, if COVID allows, if, We'll, you know, if we move on as it hopefully it looks like we will, um, because I think we've all had enough of like you know, Zoom and uh, and not being in the same room as, as we say really. to each other across the screen. But yeah, yeah. Um, and you're in, if you don't mind me asking, your your involvement, your role, um, in that awards and bringing it to Manchester. So we, so so that's part of kind of the road three hat. So we will we manage the whole event. 
we work with the PFA to to put that whole event on and get it all working brilliantly and and uh, hopefully everyone having a great night. No wonder you don't sleep much. I, I would never sleep if I had this level of responsibility. Um, we'll come to your final book choice then. And, you know, like I said before, you know, with what we've talked about through this, that sort of run through this podcast um, and female representation in the game. And, and your third book is um, Football She Wrote, which is um, an anthology of women's writing on the game. It, it's not something I've read. You know, I have to confess, I've, I've read an awful lot of football books. This is not one that I've read. Um, but I guess it's like a, a collection of essays uh, about the game. Yeah, and you when we come off here, you need to go on Amazon. You need to order I, it. And you need I to actually read have it to not really, Sorry, I, I'm not. I'm not trying to oh, preempt that. When I was looking at it last night, I was like, "Yeah, okay, I need that." So it, it is ordered. Don't worry. Yeah, it's a great book. So uh, Ian Ridley from Floodlit Dreams, his wife who passed away was Vicky Orbeis, and Vicky was a founder member of Women in Football. Um, incredible woman. Unfortunately, I never got to meet her. Football She Wrote was came out of an original um, campaign that women in football uh, ran called What If. So what if, what if we could do this? What if we could do that? What if a woman was a manager of a football club? What if, you know, women were given an opportunity to present a show, you know, whatever it was. So he was, there aren't enough female writers in the, in, in, in the game uh, and we need to do something about that. So he commissioned this book, uh, there's 10 ex, um, experienced writers like Julie Welsh, you know, like the doyen of the, the first one ever, uh, Katie White, Susie Ratmore, Molly Hudson, um, and then commissioned 10 new writers to write stories. And basically it's 20 chapters of people's stories. And it's from talking about everything. There's laughter, there's tears, there's, experience, there's personal experience, there's, there's abuse, there's everything in there. And it's, it's a really special book and it should be part of people's you know kind of lives because it it needs to be those stories need I, to be heard I, I absolutely agree like i said i i have ordered it I'm, I'm really looking forward to it coming and i i particularly love books where you can i'm gonna sound a little bit like a child now but where you can ricochet around the chapters and don't necessarily have to read in order they are my favorite books where you can open a book and sort of scroll down the chapters and think i'll have that one then i'll have that one and that one and that one um, we'll we'll come to your we'll we'll come to your final song choice um, before we before we go on to the quick fire questions. But before we come to your final song choice, I, I've been umming and ahhing as to whether to ask this question or not. I'm just going to sound like a, a sad fan, but I am going to ask it because I don't get to speak to many people very often that I can ask this question too. What's Pep Guardiola like? So I have. I'll be, I've only met, I've met him twice, uh, once at the, oh no, actually, three times. You're not helping, by the way. What, I only want to meet him once. <laughs> Losing no, no, count doesn't help. He walks in a room and has this kind of aura of, it's just weird. It's like he's, it's like when Vincent Kempi walks in a room, he has something about him that everyone turns around and looks at him because he has an aura. Um, Pep is an incredible manager. He's very passionate. He doesn't have time for um, fluff. He's totally committed. The game comes first um, and everything else is secondary. And he he's really focused. And, you know, I can't say I know him well because I really don't. He came to the testimonial um, match, obviously. He came to the dinner. Um, he he congratulated me which was great and he shook my hand so you know that's kind of my experience of pep my experience of pep is really as a fan and just being like you know when he came to, to us that was 
probably the best moment. And actually, the best moment as a City fan, apart from obviously being on the coach with, with, with Vincent Company and the team, is 20, in 2012 when we won the first uh, title kind of that I, in my lifetime, really. And um, my, I was there with my brother who'd flown here from the States. It was my mother who was, God, she, what was she then? She was in her 70s. Um, there was me, there was my niece. And we thought it was over. It was, it was finished. It was done. And my mum went, just walked. She basically went back inside. She said, I can't, I just can't do it. She was like, we thought she was going to have a heart attack or something. She's like, I can't do it. And we, and everyone was really sad. And then obviously Aguero scores that goal. And then, and um, Joe Hart ran across the pitch. I've got the original photo. Sharon Latham, who was the photographer at the time, is a really good friend of mine. She's brilliant. You should get her on this because she's fantastic. And her stories are amazing. She's just about, she's just bringing her exhibition of um, Noel Gallagher High Flying Birds for photography because she's his photographer to Manchester. She's incredible. So I'll put you in touch with her. Anyway, so, so, and literally I burst into tears. The only thing I compare it to is the birth of my kids. I had that same feeling. And there was a guy in front of me in a leather jacket I'll never forget. And I literally hugged, hugged him and his, his jacket was covered in tears. It was like wet because I've been crying that much. My mother ran, she's never, she can't run. She's in her seventies and she's 18 now, ran back. My brother ended up, he's a big guy, he's not smaller, three rows down on the floor. Like, I don't even know what happened. It was one of those moments that I don't think I'll ever top that ever as a feeling as as a fan you know at that particular I, I, moment I was quite concerned with, I was I was hoping your mum saw the goal when you when you said she went back inside I was like no she didn't see it she, she, well, she I think yeah, she might have seen it on a screen oh. I don't no no she wasn't because she just she basically was like she, she can't she's she can't cope with it she's very she's very vocal about stuff oh, I, I think I should get your mum on the podcast um yeah, um, Joy from Manchester, if you're listening, would would love, love to have you on after your daughter. Um, okay, final final song choice then. Um, this was your guilty pleasure, um, and th- to be fair, when we talk oh, about songs gosh. that take back to my childhood, my dad used to play this a lot. Um, he was a massive fan um, of one half of this duo, um, and you went with "You Don't Bring Me Flowers" by Barbara Streisand and Neil Diamond. Now, please don't. Uh, I've already done it. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what it's one it's one of those songs so I am a huge Barbara Streisand fan in fact in my former life I went I started as a, I went to drama school I wanted to be an actress that's what I wanted to do and I didn't but that's you know I, I don't regret any of that it was it was a great training and I had some really good time and I and I used to sing and I used to sing all Barbara Streisand songs my dad loved Neil Diamond it was another one that he absolutely loved and it was constantly on in the car that yep. and the Carpenters which also takes yep, mine too. His dad listens to that. And um and I and it's funny, so my partner will kill me, but when in lockdown we got into this thing where we'd we'd cook a really nice meal and we'd sit at the dining when the kids so when the kids are at their dad's and we'd cook a really nice meal and we'd eat and then we'd put music on, you know, Alexa play this, that and the other, and we got into playing all these songs and we'd just sing along like we were and drink and drank far too much wine as we all did in lockdown. I mean, literally, but it was just I we we filled our bottle bin over and over again I had to keep putting in the neighborhood watch group has anyone put any space in their bottle <laughs> um and we we duet we do this duet now he really can't sing and he won't mind me saying that he can't but we just when we've had too much to drink this is what we do so this is my guilty pleasure <laughs> here is Laura and her partner with you don't bring me flowers <laughs> you used to hate to leave me 
been all right Well, it just roll over And turn out the light And you don't bring me flowers anymore um, You do both actually sound like Barbara Streisand and Neil Diamond, to be fair. It actually did sound a lot like... It is incredible. incredible. Yeah, I actually do. I actually think you're a lot, just that little bit better. Um, it, it, oh, well, it's been a it's been a brilliant chat, but we're not finished yet. You've got your um, your sort of quick fire question, so you don't need to worry too much about over overthinking these. Okay. 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 So, the first thing is, what do you love most about football? God, um, the fact that it transcends everything. You can be anywhere in the world. You can be anyone and wherever you are, everyone everyone knows about football. It's like, it's one of those things that brings everyone together. Um, when you played in the playground, who did you pretend to be? Uh, Barbara Streisand. <laughs> oh, what a great answer. Um, <laughs> I won't go with which team you support because I think everyone has got that. Um, what do you miss most about football from your childhood? Oh, that would be like, as a child, just going with my brother, my, my, going to games with my dad, you know. I mean, that that dad was a huge football fan and, I'm, and I'll miss, I miss that greatly. It's, that's part of him, you know, part of my memories okay. of him. The greatest ever player. That is really hard. I'm going. Oh, I'm going to the company. The greatest game you've ever seen, which I think we might know. Yeah, I mean, that was 2012. That was the best game ever. The greatest ever team. Oh, gosh. Uh, for me as a city, oh, the greatest ever team. <sighs> That oh seriously? Yeah. Oh, that's just um oh lemon up. Uh I mean the the season when Arsenal didn't lose a game, that's a pretty special team. Whatever oh, year, four, what year five, was that? Invincibles. Yeah, that's got to be a pretty special team. And then obviously the title-winning team, 2011-12, has to okay. be a good one, too. I, again, I probably know the answer to this one. The greatest goal you've ever seen. Do you know what? The greatest goal I've ever seen is Vincent Kompany's Don't <laughs> Shoot. It was incredible. And that was also the moment when I realised that he was leaving because of the whole reaction afterwards, because I didn't know it wasn't that Wayne point. Rooney's overhead <laughs> kick. Again. <laughs> it bled me. Was not, I'm allowed to yeah, say that. Worry, it's well, fine. Um, the greatest ever manager? Um, Pep Guardiola. Um, if you could change one thing about the modern game, and I'm, I'm a bit wary of getting you on this, clearly, but if you one thing you would change about the modern game? Um, I think it's become far too much about money. Um, and I think the difference between the haves and the have-nots is huge. I mean, obviously, what going through the pandemic, it was clear how the lower league teams were struggling for survival. We've seen it 
a lot in the northwest with Berry, Macclesfield, Oldham. You know, I mean, it, it's 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 serious stuff. And these clubs are the heart of their communities, and they're the the, the hub of their communities. Bolton as well. You know, the, the things that they've had to go through. So, yeah, I think it's it's trying to. I understand why there's so much money in the game, and I understand. You know, I'm not one of these people that that does. I'm realistic about it, but I think trying to even that out in some way would make a big difference. Oh, sorry. You did well with the quick fire questions. Well done. Handle, handled those very well. Um, okay, final question then. So we'll draw it out, see what it is that you've got. You've got... Okay, you can only choose one for the rest of your life. Are you picking radio or old-style four-channel television? Wow. Radio. Uh, because I've got a lot more choice of the radio. I can have any, you know, and I do listen to lots of different things depending on the day. I always have the radio on in the office. I need noise, music, talk, sports, chat, whatever it is. And I think there's a lot more there. The old style for channel television, I think I'd get bored really quickly. And yeah, and and, I, and things I don't really want to watch, whereas I can listen to lots of different I, things. I would, have, I would have gone with the radio as well. Um, yeah. Laura, it's been it's been an absolute absolute pleasure talking to you. I, like I say, I said to you before we came out, I think you should have had two two episodes, and I, and I'm still <laughs> I'm still a strong believer in that. There, there's so much um, that we didn't even manage to to chat about. You know, things like the Road Three Concierge, what it's like. But I'll just ask it now. We're in injury time. What what's it like <laughs> looking after the lives of of famous footballers? Yeah, so this was so in when the start of the pandemic, I did what everyone else did and I baked, I learned to bake, I drank far too much wine, I homeschooled my son, my elder son did nothing apart from game and sleep. Um, I did loads of exercise and I went running every day and that was great. Then about by about July, I was like, what am I going to do? Something has to change. So I set up Road Through Concierge because I thought I needed to start thinking about what the future would be like if events didn't come back, if football didn't come back in the same way. Um, and I was very lucky enough to a player needed to move house um, and was recommended to me and a really lovely player actually from one of the Premier League teams, not Manchester City. And um, yeah, you know, it's funny because a lot of these guys are used to having everything done for them. They don't really have to think about much else. Someone like Vincent Company is um, a kind of special type of person he literally never stops he's one of the most work he's like a workaholic he literally is go 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 the whole time football first business family whatever it is he doesn't stop um and he's always thinking and super bright uh but some people and he still needs a lot done for him because he's so busy doing everything else so yeah i mean the part of that that really excites me is the giving back part so helping them to use their positions to do to give back um as I did like with Vincent etc and that um is the part that I kind of really want to grow but there are necessary evils like booking restaurants and flights and one who had his he'll know who it is when he listens to it but he rang me on a Thursday night about six o'clock and I was just going out with my family and said my, my son's stuck in Italy getting back so I was like have you not sent him with a credit card or anything no <laughs> So I basically had to find a hotel to get him to in Italy, find a, a get him a flight, get him to this, get him to that, and get him back without any money, basically. But it was done. Wow, you, you just seem to be the go the go to person. 
um, for footballers in the, well I say the northwest probably the whole country after they've listened to this um like I say it, it it's been it's been brilliant it's been an incredible um 50 minutes just I could listen to you all day um people who I want to say people who want to contact you but you've obviously got so much going on but on social media or you know within the businesses how how's the best yeah. way for people to um, well, I'm, I'm always I'm, I'm prolific on Twitter. I love Twitter, even though it has its moments. But it, at Laura Wolf on Twitter, um, I love talking to people, love hearing what people have got to say, um, chatting about football, anything really. And yeah, I mean, that's probably the best way to do it. But or um, they can email me Laura at road3.co.uk and I'll happily speak wow. to anyone. It's, you, you are you are a genuinely engaging person to talk to. You really are. Um, Good luck with literally everything in the world of football that, that you are associated with, you know, with the women, with the women's game, with women's influence in football, with the PFA Awards, with the Northwest Football Awards coming up in a couple of Do you know what I can't not mention? What, oh, my God, the love, my love of my life, my dog, Teddy. Like, we got Teddy in lockdown, Teddy the Cavapoo. He's basically getting his own little kind of following because he's got his own hashtag and everything. And I do put him quite a lot on Twitter. So if you want to see dogs... Cute cavapoos, follow me, basically. Sorry, I have to That's get that okay. in. We, we, can leave, we can leave that in. We're still within the hour, don't worry. Um, yeah, well, I would say, yeah, good luck with the PFA Awards, but, yeah, good luck looking after the dog and, and, every, and everything that goes with that. Um, yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure. Like I say, I, I've only known you for not very long at all and only through emails with regards to pitch publishing, but, but now I've met you in person, it's, um, it's brilliant. It was it was an absolutely wonderful, wonderful um, chat. Thank you ever so much. And thank you so much for having me. It's been great to talk to you. It, it was an absolute pleasure. Um, all that's left for me to say is is thank you for listening. Um, please join me again next time on What's the Score, where I can't promise we'll have anybody who's as remotely talented or multi-talented um, as Laura, but I'll I'll see who I can come up with. Thank you for listening and goodbye. Thank you for listening to What's the Score with the Back Pages. Please be sure to follow us on Twitter at the Back Pages 4 and on Instagram at the.backpages. But most importantly, please join us again next time on What's the Score for more football, more books, more music. <laughs>